Moncrief on News Talk. Just before we came on air, the shortlist for the Oscar nominations was revealed to an expectant world. But to hell with the world. What did Ireland get? Esther McCarthy's been ticking off her checklist. Afternoon, Esther. Hi, Sean. How are you? Not too bad. Now, I suppose Killian wasn't a, 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 getting the nomination wasn't a huge surprise. Bit of, a bit of disappointment, though, for perhaps a couple of other names. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a mad time for Irish talent when we're, we when we say we got only 12 <laughs> nominations this year yeah. compared to 14 last year. And I think it's very indicative of how um, esteemed Irish, you know, talent and Irish related productions are internationally now. But I would have loved to have seen um, Andrew Scott in there for all of us strangers. He's, um, I, I know it's not out in cinemas yet, but when people see it, I think they're really going to fall in love with it. It's a very special film. I would have liked to see it get more nominations across the board, actually. Mm. Um, there was a lot of talk about Barry Keoghan for Saltburn, um, which, you know, he's very, he's very good in it. It's a, a wild film. Uh, but I didn't really think he was going to get a nomination, to be honest with you, despite the hype for his performance in the role. Mm-hmm. Um, he was always kind of, I had Andrew Scott pegged at maybe number seven and Barry maybe just one below that at number eight. But that just tells you they were very much, both actors were very much in the conversation for Best Actor. Yeah, the thing though about Andrew Scott, it seems as if, Every, I mean, I haven't met anyone who's seen his performance in that film and hasn't said is extraordinary. I mean, he was deserving of nominations, not just in the Oscar, but loads of other places. But he seems to have been universally ignored. I can't get my head around it. I think sometimes, you know, we talk about the importance of campaigning a film mm. and having a high profile. And I think Barbie and Oppenheimer have done such great work in that regard this year, managed to keep two summer releases you know, in the height of July, which are often forgotten by January by the Academy, um, very much in the conversation and very much in the, at the forefront. So I think Barbie Heimer was not just a commercial success, but a real critical one as well um, in keeping those films up there. But it's harder, I think, for more independent projects like All of Us Strangers, you know, and the astonishing one for me was his um, Andrew not getting a nomination for Best Actor at the BAFTAs, because I think that would have really driven him. If you remember last year, um, Paul Meskell got a, nom- a BAFTA nomination very late on for um, his his best actor performance um, in the film, which name won't come to me now. Uh, <laughs> but it really propelled him to the conversation for best actor in yeah. the Oscars. And, you know, while many people regarded his nomination last year as a bit of a surprise, I think kind of award season nerds like myself could could see it coming. And I think that was, I was sad for Andrew, actually, when he didn't get the best, best actor nomination in the BAFTAs because I did feel that could hurt his Oscar nomination chances. Yeah. Uh, but once again, I mean, are, is it too much of an exaggeration to say uh, Element or, uh, you know, a one company film industry in this country? I mean, they're just amazing. I mean, I think they, they're they the rising tide that lifts all boats. I think there's lots of successful companies coming through and doing great stuff. But Element are just world class. I mean, 11 nominations, double figures for poor things. Um, it's a co-production, obviously. Uh, but, you know, it's it's very indicative, I think, of where Irish cinema can go internationally now. You know, a Greek director 
in Yorgos Lantimos, um, of course, Element have produced all of his English language films and have gotten numerous other Oscar nominations for those. And, uh, you know, it's shot in Hungary. There's UK money in it. Uh, it's an Irish production company. So it's really, I think, indicative of, you know, where we stand internationally now and what really can constitutes an Irish film anymore. You know, it doesn't mm. have, a have, to have, have to have a horse in it, for example. Um, <laughs> and that's, you know, that's our standing now internationally. That, that, that we're taken very seriously as a filmmaking nation. I'm delighted for um, Ed Guiney and Andrew Lowe, the producers on the film, who, you know, gambled on, on a small film called The Guard many years ago um, mm. and hoped hoped that Element Pictures that survive its first couple of years and really banked on that movie being a hit with Irish audiences, which it was. And that was the start of a great period of growth for them, which has them firmly on the world stage now uh, today. Again, with you know, is, is there any film that has more Oscar nominations than 11? I'm not sure there is. So it's, it's yeah. right up there. Um, and, you know, we, we'll have Emma Stone as a co-producer on that film as well, that they, she worked with Element on bringing this wild and crazy um, feminist Frankenstein tale to to the big screen. So it's, you know, her very much um, uh, uh, an achievement for Emma Stone as well, I think, or Emma Mac Stone, as we now call it for the next weeks. <laughs> the, uh, the, but, you, you know, the, 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 the Barbenheimer dynamic that had been set up during the summer it seemed like did Barbie run out of steam was it snubbed is it is there perhaps given that you know Barbie was presenting a feminist critique of the world uh, that we saw that come to pass in in the the lack of nominations in a few key positions I don't I I hope not I think people loved that feminist critique of the world I'm going to be honest and say I wasn't as in love with Barbie as a lot of other people were I'm going to say, just put it out there and say mm-hmm. it. Um, I'm very disappointed not to see Margot Robbie in Best Actress. Um, I think that is a real disappointment for her. Um, but yeah, no, I think, you know, it's in there in Best Picture. That is quite yeah. an achievement given the subject matter, I think, and, you know, ostensibly the subject matter anyway. And given the fact that it's, I think that the other interesting thing about it is it's in there an adapted screenplay. And the, that caused a bit of a, a stir in film circles because... Um, the film was put forward as original screenplay, but the Academy can choose to put it in another category. And in that case, they did. They put it into adapted screenplay because they felt that Barbie had pre-existed, uh, has existed previously and was already a thing. So therefore, the screenplay was an adapted piece of work, oh. whereas the film's makers were putting forward the idea that it's a pretty original film, lads. Yes, it is about a doll that existed before, but that's a pretty original storyline. So that's kind of an interesting one um, and to see it in there, an adapted screenplay. Yeah. Now, and, and for people listening, what is the difference between best director and best film? In that, you know, one could be forgiven for thinking they're kind of interchangeable. They're quite interchangeable. I suppose it's achievement in direct direction is the um, the proper full title for best director. And I think that kind of explains itself in that, you know, it's a creative role. It's a uh, Yorgos Lantimos, for example, for Poor Things. It's a very much creative role. You're running a set, you're managing a crew of maybe... 300, 400 people and you have a creative vision for the film and it's your achievement in realising that vision for the film. Whereas Best Picture is, you know, quite a different role, even though they're often 
that even though they often coincide in tally, because obviously if you've done a great job as a director, then your film's in the shout for best picture. Uh, so that's why they often coexist. But they're two very, very different categories, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so now that we have uh, uh, the shortlist, well, I mean, would you say Killian's a shoe in now or is it between him and Paul Giamatti? I think it's between him and Paul Giamatti. Bradley Cooper was kind of the front runner all along, but he seems to have really run out of steam in recent weeks to the extent that I thought he might lose out and Andrew Scott might sneak in. That's kind of where I saw potentially Andrew Scott's place there. Um but I think it's a really a race now between Killian Murphy and Paul Giamatti, who is really, really good in the holdovers. It's going to be a very, very hard one to call that. Um, and it's going to be close. I suppose we'll, we'll see. There'll be a couple of other awards, Screen Actors Guild and stuff like that coming up in the next few months uh, before the Oscars. And we'll get a better sense maybe of where the momentum is then because that's what can really get you over the line mm. um, when it comes to final ballots you know people love backing a winner you know it's kind of human nature yeah. and if and if you know they're winning in other categories then maybe it'll help get the momentum for the for the best actor Oscar but I think it's remarkable for Killian like well, how many years is he make, making films now? First not Oscar nomination, I think I must have t- first spoken to him about 22 years ago for a little John Crikey. Carney film called On the Edge. Uh, so he has paid his dues and it's a really, it's a very nuanced performance for such a big studio film, you know, and I think that's his achievement there. And sometimes that can be unnoticed. You know, the flashier performances can get can get the, the nominations. So I am delighted to see him um, for what is a very nuanced portrayal of a very complicated man. Yeah, well, I mean, I suppose that's it. Because you, you could see, <clears throat> excuse me, you could see that he was, you know, he was portraying that character, whereas perhaps, say, Bar- Bradley Cooper was, it was more impersonation. Yeah, I mean, they're very different. I mean, Bradley, yeah, like Bradley Cooper, I think, it's it's a very good performance, but I think it's a, it can be a little one dimensional, and it is there is an impression going on. I think. Have you seen the film, Sean? Uh, yeah, there is. Yeah, there is a touch of that to it, isn't there? Mm, I think. Yeah. Um, but sometimes they're winners; they get the nominations as well. And I think actually the Academy has done good work in that regard in the last few years. By you know, it's a, there's a ten thousand strong membership now, um, very diverse, and I think it's rinsed out a little of the impersonations actually out of the acting performances, which used to be much more prevalent. And it's bringing in more, you know, more nuanced performances like Killian Murphy's, as I would say. Yeah. Also as well, the fact that, the, 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 uh, as you touched on there, that the, the uh, Academy is much bigger. Would that to some degree explain why Poor Things has done so, uh, so well? Because maybe in previous years, when it was smaller and more conservative, they might have found it all a bit weird uh, and gone for the, you know, the serious Oppenheimer type film. Yeah, I think I I think Yorgos Lanthimos is a genius in that. I don't know if you've seen Poor Things yet, Sean, but no, it's an yet. absolute riot. It's crazy. And I mean, there are so many uh, scenes of a sexual nature in it. I have to take my hat off to Emma Stone. Like you don't see mainstream actresses going necessarily for roles like that anymore. So it's quite daring work from her. And the fact she drove it as a producer as well, I just would take my hat off to her. Um, and she's hilarious. Absolutely brilliant in it. I think she's a shoo-in for Best Actress, by the way. I think that is, uh, you know, if I had to bet on any of the categories, it would be absolutely on Emma Stone for Best Actress. Yeah. Um, but I do think Yorgos Lantimos has done 
you know, aided and abetted by Element Pictures here in Ireland, has done a genius job of taking the wacky and making it mainstream. You know, it's doing mm. well. It's, you know, it's quite an obscure kind of crazy story. Um, and he's done it before with stuff like The Lobster and he's doing it again. And I think it's brilliant to have this kind of crazy, creative uh, storytelling being brought to the mainstream. It did really well at the box office here and internationally as well in the last few weeks since it opened. And I think, you know, I, I congratulations as well to Robbie Ryan, the Irish cinematographer, whose brilliant work with Lantimos on Poor Things is, um, got, got, has gotten him a cinematography nomination there as well. The uh, now, I mean, and a lot of your predictions. Actually, you were yeah, you did very well this year uh, for your predictions as to who was to get in. Though, what category? And sorry to put you on the spot here, Esther, but what category do you think is going to be the hardest to call? I think best actor is going to be a tricky one. Even if you're saying it's a two horser with Killian and Paul Giamatti, I think it's going to be really tricky to call. Uh, best picture as well like in recent years the academy has changed from having between five and ten features to a guaranteed ten so it's ten every year now and I think there's every every one of those films in best picture is in with a shout you know Mm -hmm. I could see Oppenheimer sweeping the board I could see poor things sweeping the board but equally I could see a smaller film like Past Lives Celine Song's Beautiful feature for me, the best film of the last year. Um, And it's a tender, small film. I could see the Academy falling in love with it. Yeah. And it's been widely seen. So you could see something, a a juggernaut like Oppenheimer or Poor Things or a smaller film. Um, Even Anatomy of a Fall, like the, the, the French film, that's getting a lot of praise, a lot of love and is in there for best picture as well. I think it's a hard one to call. But also I think the good thing when you look at that, the variety in that category of best picture, everything from Barbie, you know, two big, three big commercial successes, two art house films, a uh, couple of indie films. You know, it's great to see the mix that's in there. I think it's fascinating, actually. Esther, thanks a million uh, uh, for, for all of that. That was Esther McCarthy there. Uh, a few comments on what we've just been talk about, talking about uh, Greta Gerwig being snubbed at the Oscars despite Barbie being the only $1 billion movie Solely directed by a woman feels very sus uh, to me. Well, they don't make the nominations based on how much money uh, they make. It's it's what's deemed to be uh, good or bad by the various members of the Academy. Uh, someone else says that Barbie was snubbed because it was merely a doll commercial. It would be like the late, late toy show willing the palm door at Cannes. Uh, Tony says that Oppenheimer is in a different class. Andrew Scott's performance was good, but not in the same class as Killian Murphy's performance in Oppenheimer. The other films are good, but don't come close. Uh, I, that might well be. I just I wonder, would you, given that you've seen Andrew Scott's, would, did he at least deserve uh, to be nominated? Moncrief, weekdays at 2 p.m. on News Talk.